Hello everyone and welcome back to Hope Reclaimed. I'm your host, Ellie Hope Collins, and I'm glad that you're here. It's on this podcast that we talk about active and practical ways that we can step into healing from divorce, trauma, and betrayal. Because Jesus has already extended everything to us, and sometimes he's inviting us to step in and receive that healing for ourselves. We're continuing our series on Living Reclaimed, and today is a conversation with Steve Weiss, who is a licensed psychologist. Steve is a friend of mine, and he is actually a guest speaker in the Healing from Divorce online course. And this conversation is one of the videos on the Healing from Divorce online course. Uh, This is a program that I have developed, and right now we are taking submissions for people who are interested in being a part of this eight-week program to launch you into Christ-centered healing from divorce, in your life it is possible to heal and heal well so if you like this conversation with steve you're going to hear many other conversations many other teachings on healing from divorce and healing well today we're talking about depression anxiety and trauma and if you are interested in being a part of the online course please, please, please head over to HopeReclaimedMinistries.com where you can find information about this course. Also, that link will be found in the show notes, HopeReclaimedMinistries.com. So in the meantime, stay encouraged and listen to this conversation with Dr. Steve Weiss. All right, we are here in this video to chat about, oh, so fun, anxiety and depression. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and trauma and and how the grief that we've gone through, the the challenging aspects of our life and and how how oftentimes clinical depression and anxiety occur and other forms of mental illness, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but these are these are not uh, death sentences. This is not um, this is not something that we have to live with um, after you go through divorce. It's actually treatable and it's healable. God wants to deliver us from anxiety and depression and the trauma that we go through. So we're going to chat with we're we're, we're going to be talking about this today. Um, so let let's t- let's dive in here a little bit. What is clinical depression? Um, and obviously, here we're not just talking about feeling sad. We're talking mm-hmm. about actual <clears throat> clinical depression. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, think of clinical uh, depression uh, as a as a as a package of symptoms that pretty much cut across every part of our 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 being. Uh, the obvious thing that we think of with depressed, you're in a, in a really down mood and, and that's valid. You know, some people get more irritated and angry when they, when they get depressed, some people get real flat and down and kind of that, that the affect is, is uh, we refer to as flat affect, meaning their face is just kind of down and and expressionless, but, but depression uh, also affects virtually every other, other system. A lot of people uh, lose their appetite. Uh, they, uh, weight loss during depression is not uncommon. Some people respond the other way, and you know they 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 eat when they're depressed, and so you can see weight gain. Uh, sleep disturbance is really common, and and obviously really miserable. 
Uh, sometimes it's it's a pattern of, of not being able to go to sleep. Other times it's you go to sleep and you wake up, uh, toss and turn, and just about the time the alarm goes off, you're drifting off to sleep again. Sometimes uh, it's a mixture of the two. And, and, and <laughs> it can be a mixture, yep. Uh, you can, uh, one of the classics I mentioned in our previous video uh, that isn't, isn't immediately obvious to most people is something called anhedonia, which is loss of pleasure in the things that mm -hmm. one normally finds pleasurable. Uh, social isolation is another thing. A lot of people withdraw and, and they, uh, they, they just kind of go, uh, we call it non-clinically go into their shell, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, physiologically, uh, lowered energy, poor concentration, uh, you know, a sense of, man, I just can't even, I can't even finish, you know, I, I'm trying to, you know, write my bill, uh, checks for my bills and I just can't even focus or not even I can't even track a TV show or something like that. Yeah. So depression is, is uh, all of those things. And then, as we mentioned, the, the two key things that are the broad measures are high enough uh, levels of subjective distress, which means I feel really, really bad and functional impairment, which is I'm not, I'm not, I'm not um, doing the things I can normally do. It might be work, might be, it might be hygiene. I mean, you might, yeah. uh, functional impairment might mean this person is not getting out of bed and, and uh, uh, maybe showering for a week at a time or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So it's important to, to be looking at that and say, okay, these are, these are some of the warning signs of mm -hmm. depression. And, and then, you know, let, let's say somebody's listening to this and watching this and they have some of these things. What are some, what are some ways that they can seek treatment? Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, uh, somebody that that functions uh, like I do in the in outpatient clinical uh, mm -hmm. realm, uh, licensed social workers, LMFTs, licensed marriage and family therapists. I'm a licensed psychologist, uh, licensed counselors. Uh, everybody's uh, equipped and trained to help. Uh, folks with depression diagnose and, and, and uh, support people with, with depression. And uh, there are a number of ways that we, we work. I personally, I'm uh, what's called a cognitive behavioral uh, therapist. Uh, so my primary approach is to help people with what they're telling themselves. Uh, the typical depressed person has a, what we call the depressive triad in their self-talk. I'm no mm -hmm. good. My life's no good. My future is hopeless. Uh, I'm no good, my life's no good, my future is hopeless, or variations on that. Yeah. And so what we try to uh, help them is, is begin to change that negative self-talk to something more truth-based and positive. Yeah. Obviously, the other thing that we are always watching for with depression is suicidal uh, thinking, suicidal ideation, we call it. And so anybody that uh, seems to be depressed, we always want to check out, you know, have you had any harm, uh, self-harm thoughts? And uh, do you have a plan uh, for, for carrying that out? And do you have the means to do that? And one thing that I would say to friends of people that might be struggling, uh, don't, don't hesitate to ask those questions. It's better yes. to ask. Uh, there's sometimes a fear, oh, my, my brother wasn't thinking about suicide and then I brought it up and he thought about it. No, that it's much better it to, to be way. clear. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't work that way. No, I think that's so, a really, yeah. and I, I love it. We, we go to the doctor's office and they ask us those questions. Oh, you bet. And, and I think that's so important. Let's just, let's just break the stigma of it and mm -hmm. let's talk about it. That if, mm -hmm. that if you're, you know, you're, you're that depressed, talk about it with somebody. Yeah. Yep. 
That's really and, and that's you mentioned really the doctor, and that's another thing we often refer to mm-hmm. uh, family practice doctors, primary care physicians, possibly a psychiatrist if somebody has a really tough type of depression that they're dealing with. But uh, a lot of times medication can be a real help yeah. in, uh, in, in shortening the event and helping people to recover more quickly. There are many people that, that uh, de- antidepressants have been a lifesaver for them. Like li- literally a lifesaver. Yep. So that's, that's important. Uh, is, is clinical depression um, a natural side effect of grief? No, not necessarily. Uh, I think that, that uh, the, the normal grief process includes the feelings of depression, but that's why we, we have the very spe- specific criteria when we talk about a clinical depression. And often a clinical or a, a major depressive episode is about a, a, at least two weeks long or up to two weeks long. If it's longer than that, we look at it as, as something different. Or I should say it's at least two, two weeks long. It can, it can go on obviously for longer. Okay. But yeah, but yeah, uh, not everybody uh, that is, actually we would say it this way, that not everybody that grieves is going to get depressed. But yes. some people are depressed that have nothing to do with uh, direct grief and loss. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's a biochemical. That's a different conversation, obviously. But just it, it can happen more spontaneously with some people. Absolutely. No, I think that's a really important thing to distinguish here for sure. Um, so, I mean, kind of naturally, depression is um, it, just kind of in, in nature. It's hard to do anything. It's hard mm-hmm. to identify. It's hard to function. Mm-hmm. And And so how... It, it's it's got to be really challenging for someone who is struggling with depression to actually identify that they're struggling with depression. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and maybe maybe some some help in in that area? Uh, actually, you mentioned going to the doctor. There are a couple of online uh, questionnaires that are mm-hmm. are sort of standard for uh, self evaluation. They're meant to be what we might call quick and dirty. In other words, yeah. uh, like the uh, the depression one is called the PHQ-9. You can find it anywhere online. That's what the, the doctor hands it to you, you know, and uh, score this on a zero to three scale. You add them up and it'll give you a rough idea of whether you might be depressed. And if you're wondering, uh, you know, those are really excellent tools that are, are very straightforward. They're, they're, uh, they're, they're not tricky. You know, they're meant to just ask a straightforward question. Do you think, is this happening? Is this happening? And then if you find yourself scoring at a level that is of concern, by all means, talk to the doctor, talk to a, find a therapist, uh, get some support from a friend that can help you find somebody if you can't do it on your own. Because a lot of times when people are really depressed, they can't do much of anything. You know, a real deep clinical depression is incredibly immobilizing. Absolutely. And even, even if you're not struggling with depression, finding a therapist, mm-hmm. finding a counselor can be very overwhelming and, and really hard to, to figure mm-hmm. that out. So, um, so getting someone else to help you who is, who has been there, the reclaimed community is a wonderful place for that, which is, which is my online, um, my online community here, which if you're watching this, you are a part of the, the reclaimed community. So if you're needing some help finding a therapist or a counselor, um, you can get some help there as well. So I do want to chat about anxiety. I struggled with anxiety and depression as well, but but my anxiety was um, really the thing that was often um, immobilizing for me mm-hmm. or would, would be the, the most challenging aspect of, of the, um, my mental health 
when I was going through my divorce. So can you talk about anxiety a little bit? Sure. Maybe what are some of the, um, the symptoms of sure. clinical anxiety? Sure. Uh, if you think of depression as, a, as an incredibly slowing down, anxiety is like a heightened sense of, of arousal. And uh, really what, the, the, like with depression, we've got a, a package of symptoms and all of them tend to go with that, that overall sense of physiological arousal, the fight or flight uh, arousal state. So everything from dry mouth, blurred vision, a lot of people report shaking, uh, heart palpitations or their heart racing. Sometimes people get uh, GI symptoms or feeling like they have to urinate um, in an episode. Um, uh, sweating sometimes, uh, weak knees, those kinds of things, a kind of a sense of, of lightheadedness. Um, but the overall sense is that, that, that kind of gut sense that something is going to happen or something has happened. And it's just darn scary. Yeah. And so there are a number of categories of, of anxiety, but uh, that that's true across the board. We have, you know, we have generalized anxiety where that's kind of happening all the time and it just, it's not contextual necessarily. There are other things where they're more along the lines of phobias where, you know, we're afraid to, uh, that something's going to happen and we, we avoid things. And that, that would be the thing that I would say is the other hallmark of anxiety <clears throat> is that it gets perpetuated because we often avoid the things that we're anxious about. So, you know, for example, people going through, through divorce, they don't want to go to that first, uh, uh, you know, time of a handoff with the kids, let's say, or, or some, the next time they know that they're going to have to encounter uh, their, their ex in some way. And that and it's, it, it's not a phobic response, but it's an anxious response to an anticipated uh, situation. And so, but what we also know is that in any in, in working on any kind of anxiety, avoidance is the way to keep the anxiety going worse. <laughs> so the old line about, come on, get back on your horse, get back on your bike, get back out there on stage. Everybody knows it in their gut that that's what they have to do, but nobody really wants to do it. So we, uh, we have to break out of the avoidance. And that's where sometimes with uh, a good therapist or a good counselor that's tuned into this sort of thing that can help people uh, develop a hierarchy of challenges for that and, and start at the easier things and then work their way up to the things that are harder. And again, we use the SUDS rating for that, you know, yeah. how bad is your anxiety, that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, sometimes if it's, if it's almost constant or the anxiety is really pretty debilitating, again, we use the same criteria, functional uh, or uh, subjective distress and functional impairment. Sometimes medication can be a help too. Uh, we've got to be a little careful uh, with, with some of the anti-anxiety medications because they tend to be a little more addictive. You hear a lot about Xanax and mm -hmm. some of those things. Sometimes it can be useful. Uh, some of the antidepressants, the SSRIs can be used uh, to help with anxiety more across the board as well. And, uh, but, but generally speaking, that's the, that's the dynamic of anxiety, that fight or flight response. And, um, and it's really unpleasant. Absolutely. And, and it's not, it's, it can be very, very challenging, both, both anxiety and depression. And like, I like that you said that they, 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 um, 
if one one is one's down and one can be up, they're they're often the two sides of the same coin too, oh, where they can yeah. be very closely tied. Yes. And um, and to your point about about the anxiety medication, I think that goes with any medication. It's important to do your research. It's important mm-hmm. to um, to really talk to a doctor that you trust um, to go through the process and to um, to to just just uh, try it if it's if it's something that they are recommending um, I, I don't really know what else to say about that I just think it's important that we do that thoughtfully and that we um, yes. involve the Lord in it too mm-hmm. um, because he can bring healing through medication mm-hmm. and um, and through talk therapy as well uh, I want to chat about trauma in general yep. <laughs> um, of course this is broad strokes with all of this yes um, but there is the 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 traumatic events that happen like a plane crash mm-hmm. um you know uh combat in war um but there's also the 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 small t traumas that we go through of divorce of of discovering betrayals and um and those kind of things and so i, w- I would love to 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 talk to you about that how do you process with your patients processing divorce? How do you help them process the trauma of a divorce? Uh, that's a really good question. And I, I think one of the things that if we think depression, anxiety, trauma, they're, they're obviously also related. But mm-hmm. I think when we think of trauma, uh, the classic sort of description is post-traumatic stress disorder. Yes. You know, we think of that as, as kind of the, the, oh, I don't know, typical uh, or classic maybe is a better term. Yes, yeah. And the idea here is that there's a, a, a profoundly disturbing event or set of events that have such a profound impact on our, our uh, emotions and physiology that in, fut- in the future, that same physiological and perhaps even flashback sort of response is triggered by similar events. And so the classic scenario for trauma that, that is revisited is, is it gets triggered over and over and over, and it, it doesn't seem like it goes away. So in typical, you know, in more commonplace anxiety, it sort of decreases over time, let's say, and with, with, with exposure, it might go down. But with a, with a trauma response, you can get triggered by a smell or a location or a, a sound, um, uh, all kinds of things. And with, with betrayal, uh, in the in the couples that I've worked with, I think they can remember the moment they walked in on the spouse, or they discovered something on the phone, or they saw the text messages from uh, a, a another person. Um, any number of situations yeah. where the discovery and uh, sometimes it's been suspected by uh, for a long time. So it's more of a confirmation of something, but so many times these are uh, completely out of the blue and mm-hmm. they hit you like a ton of bricks. And so that when, when people are continuing to re-experience the trauma, uh, there are some strategies that, that we can use. Uh, in particular, there are two that are, are I would say that uh, I'm, I'm most aware of that, um, are really the benchmarks in trauma treatment. And I would encourage people if they're experiencing that sort of, I can't seem to get over the, you know, the, the, the strong emotional response of some aspect of, of the, of the, either the, the divorce or the unfaithfulness or the, maybe it's, maybe it's, uh, uh, um, 
somebody that's been abused regularly yeah. or even one big event, you know, anyway, those kinds of things. Uh, people that are trained in either one of these are, are good resources. Uh, the first is uh, EMDR or eye movement desensitization and reprogramming. Now, I'm not personally trained in that, uh, but I, I know a lot of uh, good, good therapists that have had wonderful success using EMDR to treat all kinds of trauma. And uh, the other one that I am trained in at the basic level is something called advanced resolution therapy. All of these involve uh, basically the notion of eye movement uh, um, treatment to help people move through and uh, in, in a sense de connect that strong traumatic emotional response from the from the memory or the images and that sort of thing. Uh, either of those can be looked up online and you can find lots and lots of in, information about them. But And then just talking through things sometimes can help that as well. But increasingly, I, I would say that those are a couple of really important go-to uh, therapies uh, that are available out there and well-respected yeah, I want to add to that as well um, by by saying uh, reclaiming places. Mm -hmm. um, it's stepping back into places that that ha where you have that response. Um, and, and as we as we always talk about, reclaiming is about mm -hmm. remembering, relaying it, and recognizing. So we remember what happened mm -hmm. at that particular place. We relay it to a friend, to Jesus. Um, I always encourage people to, to reclaim with people. And then we recognize that healing is happening and that, that we're moving forward, that, that movement and healing is happening. So, so stepping back into those places is, was a way that, that I processed the mm -hmm. trauma. Um, but, but, you know, doing that in an active way is, um, mm -hmm. it's, it's a powerful tool, but there, there all, there comes a point that, that, um, you know, these, these therapies are incredibly helpful. I have not practiced them myself, but I've, I've, um, known quite a few people that have done EMDR and mm -hmm. speak very, very highly of it. So I would encourage anyone who, if, if they're wanting to, to look that up to, um, sure. to do that, that's going to be found in the resources in this video. Mm -hmm. So don't hesitate to look at that. Yeah, maybe the third thing that I would throw in there too, mm -hmm. is a lot of people that have connections with churches that have good yes. uh, prayer ministry opportunities. Uh, I think a lot of times the same, uh, what we've been saying about depression, anxiety, and trauma, I would never hesitate to send somebody yes. to a good prayer minister to Absolutely. focus on that from the from the Holy Spirit perspective and just praying for healing, praying for, you know, for uh, decades now, uh, the, the language of healing of memories, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, I think sometimes uh, it's it's the same, <clears throat> not the same. It's a it's another healing process that comes to us uh, through a more explicitly Holy Spirit uh, directed. Um, prayer time and sometimes just going forward to a, you know, maybe to just a stranger at the church on, at, at altar ministry that that listens closely to what the Lord is saying can do uh, uh, have have a prayer time of, of accomplishing similar things so I, not, I don't see the, any of these as mutually exclusive Absolutely. Uh, but rather uh, all of them so can often be a kind of complementary to one another and uh, you can start with any of them hundred percent. I think that's a great, mm -hmm. a great thing to focus on mm -hmm. that there, there is healing in Jesus. Yes. He wants to bring healing and restoration and he has extended that on the cross 2000 years ago. Um, often that comes through 
um, through, through therapy, through working through it. But sometimes that happens instantaneously, which mm-hmm. is amazing and yep. something that's a hundred percent possible because Jesus can do anything. That's right. So, Yeah. Thank you so much for being here, Steve. Mm -hmm. It blesses me so much. And I'm fully believing that this is going to be a blessing to, um, to those people watching as well. Would you mind, um, just plugging your, your, um, your clinic and your, your practice. So if people are, are looking for some resources, um, if, if you'd plug that, that would be great. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. In fact, I was going to say earlier that, uh, when it comes to resources, you know, you'll have your list. Uh, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people uh, often will find that if they're looking for some, uh, someone in a, in a particular area, geographic or uh, expertise, Psychology Today uh, has a really good uh, psychology and therapist referral. It's, you know, pretty much self-identified. In other words, you, you write your own bio type of thing. So if you're looking for somebody in the area, there's another one called the Christian Counseling Directory that has a similar sort of listing uh, of available. Uh, personally, I'm, uh, I'm a licensed psychologist here in the state of Minnesota. I have a, a solo practice in Roseville, Minnesota, and uh, I do uh, sort of general uh, clinical uh, work, depression, anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, uh, pre-marriage, marriage, um, uh, affair recovery. I mean, kind of the, the gamut that way. And as I mentioned, I do, uh, I'm just recently a year ago was trained in the uh, accelerated resolution therapy. So that's another uh, thing that I get to do now with, with folks instead of referring them out. But uh, yeah, my website is, is stevenweiss.com. Uh, and uh, you can find me there. That explains uh, some of my background and, and uh, uh, usually I'm here Monday through Thursday and sometimes Fridays and a lot of evenings. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Well, thank you for being here. I hope that some people find you if they're needing that extra support right now. I think that would be great. 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 Thanks, Ellie. Thank you for being here. I so appreciate it. Likewise. Bye-bye. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of Hope Reclaimed with Steve Weiss. He is an amazing person with so much insight and obviously a lot of helpful tips and and wisdom around anxiety, depression, and trauma. If you are going through a divorce, I want to encourage you to step into the Healing from Divorce online course. Head over to my website, hopereclaimedministries.com, or click on the link in the show notes to get more information about how to sign up for the Healing from Divorce online course. This is an eight-week-long program, and I truly believe that it will help you step into the healing that Jesus has already extended to you to find support and hope that you need in some of the most challenging circumstances in your lives. Remember, there is healing and there is redemption in Jesus. And there's always hope. Hope is my middle name. We'll see you next week.